Kelly throws the slide. Man's wide open. Time. Room. Bullseye. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome to episode 11 of The Crease Dive, presented by Barstool Sports, your one-stop shop for that stick talk for lax rats by lax rats. I'm Jordy from Barstool. With me every week, as always, we've got Robbie O in the building. Rob, how are we feeling this week, bud? What is going on, Jordy? And ever since we started this podcast, you know, you're a diehard Philly guy. Everyone who follows Barstool knows you're a diehard Philly guy, the protector of the statue. I'm from Jersey. Dude, ever since we started this, I feel like I'm part of Philly. You hosted me for a weekend. You got the Villanova Wildcats winning the national championship again in basketball. You got your Philadelphia Eagles winning the Super Bowl. I saw you were out and about on Monday. Talk to me. How is the city of Philly feeling right now? I mean, it's the city of champions. And yeah, I know that a ton of people out there are, you know, they've got their old dicks in a bunch talking about, oh, Villanova's not a Philly team. You can't count that as a Philly championship. Listen up, you jabronis. You can all shut up because Philadelphia has been losing in everything for so goddamn long that we're finally having the success that we've earned and and just let us have this one. Um, and I'll tell you what, man. This, yeah, it's it, we're a gritty city, even though Villanova is like the least gritty school in America. But we're a gritty city, and and we earned this one. Uh, but I mean, listen. The city's on fire, and with the way things are going, it can't be stopped. I think that, you know, come Memorial Day weekend, when we're in Foxborough for the championship weekend, I would not be surprised to see a Villanova or a Penn or hell, even a Drexel team make it to the Final Four, just because that's how hot the city's been. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Rabio, hey, listen, I, you're more than welcome aboard. Uh, the the more the merrier. You've you've put your stamp on this city before. You'll be back here again. And I mean, hey, maybe uh maybe you're our good luck charm. Hey, who knows? I will be back. No, no, no. I, I definitely will be back. Anyway, getting into the recap of games, we start off with obviously last episode we had Nate Solman from Syracuse. We had Johnny Sexton, stud deep pull from Notre Dame. Notre Dame versus Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. Syracuse walks away from that game 10-6. to Talk to me about that game, dude. That was just an ACC clash. Not the score everyone expected, but a score that people can respect. Yeah, definitely not the score that people expected. Um, you know, I actually, maybe not. I mean, we talked about it before on this podcast in the preview blog last week, uh, you know, that with a – you know, with a Notre Dame defense, we were, you know, that is as solid as they are. We were kind of expecting a little bit of a lower scoring game. You know, we weren't expecting a 17 to 7 like it was the last time this game was played in the Carrier Dome. Uh, the only thing, it was completely flip flopped. You know, if, if you would have told me before the game happened that it was going to be a 10 6 game, I'd say, oh, yeah, the Irish get out of the Carrier Dome again with another win. But the fact that Cuse was able to put up 10 on Notre Dame and Notre Dame only able to put up six goals on the day, uh, it's definitely looking a little shaky for the Irish, especially when you look at that box score and you're looking down at the names, guys who scored, guys who get points. And all the way down there at the bottom, you've got Ryder Garnsey checking in with a lone assist on the day. Uh, listen, dude, Coach Corey, yeah, Coach Corrigan, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but get that kid involved more. 
Yeah, I mean, Garnsey has been the stamp of this Notre Dame offense since stepping on the field as a freshman, getting held to one assist, dude. We say it week after week. I think one of us called him like the milk carton kid. Like, no one could find Ryder Garnsey. Dude, the kid was like an absolute stud, used to be like a human highlight reel. I don't know. He really kind of spent like half this season like on the bench, in and out. So, like, we don't know if it's issues – on the field or he's having just some disagreements with the coaching staff or, or what's going on. Obviously there were some rumors with him going on transferring in the summer, but obviously something is not right there. There's something not right with the chemistry, but just, just to branch off of Notre Dame, just look at the bright side of this game. It, it's Syracuse. I mean, there was, a, this was a much needed win last time Notre Dame came into the dome, you know, Notre Dame walked away with a 17, seven, just massacre in front of that home crowd. So for Q's to win 10 to six in front of a sold out crowd, they are three and zero in ACC play. This is, this is a very, very hot Syracuse orange team. We knew their offense would click their freshmen and sophomores are still stepping up offensively. Don McDonough has been an absolute pleasant surprise in the cage. You know, this is a scary, scary Syracuse team. Uh, I wasn't seeing too much cardiac use this week. Yeah, and uh, I mean, two two things to go off that. First off, talking about the young kids on offense for Syracuse, Tucker Dordovic is an assassin. This kid is going to be on the all-sauce team all four years that he has at Syracuse. He scores a sick Beauty, one hand, underhand, snipe. I mean, this was probably the play of the weekend. So Tucker Dordovic, get used to hearing that name. Uh, Second thing here, I mean, hey, listen, it was a brilliant idea on our part, not to toot our own horns too much here, but a brilliant idea on our part to have on a guest from each team in this game because with Syracuse getting the win, uh, with Nate Solomon getting the win, that means that every current college player that we've had on the podcast has ended up winning his game that that weekend. So I mean, hey, sorry to John Sexton. Uh, you know, you you were on the wrong end of that one. You'll bounce back, Notre Dame. You guys will be fine. You'll you'll be playing into May. Uh, but Nate Solomon keeping that streak alive. So if you're a current college kid and you're looking to get a win on a Saturday, hit us up because we will get you on the podcast. But a team who probably doesn't need our help right now getting a win. And Robbie O, you called this last week with your man up of the week. It is the Bucknell Bison as last weekend they take down the troops 10-7 to in a nice little Patriot League matchup. And that's coming off of a week where they just beat Loyola 12-11 in another Patriot League matchup. So they they beat Loyola on the road. They beat Army on the road 10-7. Guess what? They were recording this on Wednesday night. Breaking news. Breaking news coming in along the ticker here. The Bucknell Bison pull off the upset. They take down number two or number three Yale. In overtime, it is Sean O'Brien with the overtime dagger. So just to run that back real quick. Three wins in a row for Bucknell. They take down Loyola, Army, and Yale. Two of those teams are top 10 teams in the nation. They've done this all on the road. Rabio, you were bang on with this with this uh, analysis of the Bison before. Are you, uh, hey, how are you feeling right now knowing that you were 100% correct? I am bullish on the Bison, and I am cocky with Bucknell. The Bison are buzzing, dude. Will Sands. 19 goals, 36 assists. That is absolutely silly. 55 points total. Second leading in points, Connor O'Hara. 
the, the, those two, it's kind of like a Tahoga Fields, except they're very mismatched. Yeah, Will Sands, who's got the 36 assists. Dude, Connor O'Hare has yet to register an assist this year, and I kind of love it. He has 28 goals and no assists. <laughs> that is like, that's very impressive. You got to try and do that. But I mean, to, to, to play Yale, and I mean, Yale, we've talked about them week after week. They're not the most flashy team. They've been winning the games that they needed to win, and that's why they've been in the top five for so long. Um, you know, obviously they, they, they had that OT loss their first game of the season at Dallas Cowboys Stadium to Villanova. But ever since then, they, they've been steady. They've been sound. But, I mean, this is a, this is a very hot Bucknell team, and uh, it, I don't want to play them right now. Do you? No, not at all. And uh, just one more name to look out for on that uh, Bucknell roster. But freshman attack, Tommy Sopko. This kid, he's a uh, he's a local guy for myself. He's a Conestoga kid. Uh, so he was a uh, you know he was playing there last year, coaching against them. And this kid was lighting shit up. All I mean, this kid, his dodging is unbelievable. His sniping is unbelievable. I'm watching this kid in high school thinking this kid is going to tear shit up in the college ranks. So he's got, you know, 16 goals, four assists so far at this point. Uh, I don't know if those stats are completely uh, updated with this game against Yale tonight. Uh, but dude, Bucknell is getting points all over the field with their, you know, with their top six guys. So, I mean, they've only got a few games left here in the regular season and I don't see, uh, you know, maybe you don't, you you don't think Lafayette's going to be a tough one. Uh, no disrespect to the pards, but, uh, actually Lafayette, they're, uh, they're, they're coming on with a, uh, they finally got that that losing streak. Mammoth baby. People, yeah, they beat Monmouth. People forget that Monmouth beat Princeton. So uh, Lafayette beat Princeton. People forget <laughs> that Chris Hogan went to Monmouth after Penn State. He played lacrosse. Uh, and Penn State, a Big Ten lacrosse team, but a bigger game in the Big Ten last weekend. And this was the Sunday game, Easter Sunday. It is the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays staying hot squeaking out a one-goal win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, I mean, and it is Kyle Marr with the dagger. Listen, we've this is a kid who all he knows how to do is put up highlights. This kid will never, ever, ever, and you can quote me on this, you will never see this kid take an overhand bounce shot, low and away, to an opposite corner. If this kid is stuffing the back of the net, he's doing it with style. And this game winner against Rutgers, he catches it at the top of the box. He's falling over. He goes low to high to the day we die, sticks it right under the crossbar with authority. That's one. Listen, I I know that the MLL has a two-point line, and that's great and everything. In college lacrosse, I don't want to see a two-point line. But when you score a nasty-ass goal like that, especially that late in the game, it's got to count for more than just one because it is so much prettier than the rest. Dude, the kid is an absolute hound. He's got like the stereotypical lax flow. He's chilling. He's got the tilt. He could barely see through the helmet. He's looking out the vents. He is, there's a couple people, Jordy, and we've talked about it to be like the poster boy for the crease dive, the whole low to high, uh, just scoring machine. But Kyle Marr with absolute ice in his veins and do not give any discredit to this Rutgers team. 13 to 12 at Homewood Field, which you and I both know is not an easy place to play. So 
Jules Hedenberg still going off, four goals, one assist. But, I mean, dude, this Hopkins team is rolling. Um, Joel Tinney, reoccurring guest of the crease dive, getting it going. Dude, this team is hot right now, and they are looking very pretty for the Big Ten uh, tournament. And uh, they're not obviously not positive, but this is going to be a team that we are going to see in the top 16 come tournament time. And I don't want – I need Kyle Marr and uh, Petromala's Blue Jays to be playing Scott Marr in his great dance come World Day weekend. Don't want, I need. Dude, can you imagine that player son versus coach dad? Uh, I mean, who who does who does mom root for there? It's got to be the son, say. obviously. It's got to be the son. That's actually a no-brainer question for sure, but I guess you also have to Scott wonder. Scott Barr is sleeping on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's the bigger question. If Albany pulls away with the win, especially if Albany wins that game and it's just like a massacre for and Scott Marr just doesn't call off the dogs, he's definitely <laughs> sleeping on the couch he's for a while. He's going to be in the dog Listen, that's going to be a game that needs to happen. If there are lacrosse gods up there watching down upon us, uh, make sure that you guys pray to them every single night that that is a potential matchup that we could see at some point in the tournament. But yeah, I mean, Hopkins, they're they are rolling right now. So definitely a team that I would not want to come across in the tournament. Uh, wasn't really the busiest week of college across, you know, outside of Bucknell having a huge week. Uh, so that's going to do it for our fast break segment, but that's going to roll us right in to our man up man down of the week where every week we bring you a team, a player, or just anything at all in lacrosse uh, that we're either buying stock in or we are selling, selling, selling. Uh, so, you know, I'll get us going right away here. Uh, so my man up for this week, my man up is going to be, all of college across. Want to know why? Because now that March Madness is over, and you know we talked about it at the beginning of the intro. Shout out to the Villanova Wildcats winning that national championship, bringing another ring to the city of Philadelphia. But now that March Madness is over, it's officially college lax season. All right, you have no excuse at all to not be parking your ass on your couch on Saturdays afternoons and watching every single game you can possibly get a stream on. There's, there's not, I mean, obviously, I guess there's going to be playoff hockey and playoff basketball. To, fuck that. It's college lacrosse season. That is your main priority. Uh, so college lacks. It's back and in a big way. Well, one, it never left. And we've been saying that since day one. And uh, <laughs> just going off of college basketball ending and uh, the Villanova Wildcats and Jay Wright winning the ship. People forget Jay Wright was a Bucknell Bison. So take that into uh, consideration when you are looking at more uh, PA teams to make a run and be in Championship City. Bunch of ring-heavy bulls. For my man up, I got Robert Morris. Okay? Another PA team. Another PA team. A lot of people don't know that. Now On the shitty side of PA, but... <laughs> you know what? I don't know my demographics, but I'm going to go with you, Jordy. It's on the shitty side of PA. <laughs> Inside lacrosse gave them the preseason ranking of 47. And no disrespect to these teams, but that is behind Marist, Mammoth, and Binghamton. They got up to 14 in the country. They are now 19. 6-3 with wins over Penn State and Marquette. Fun fact about Robert Morris, Jordy, Canadians go there for free. Did you know that? 
I've always known that they've had a bunch of Canadians on the roster. Did not know that it was a freebie. So that makes a whole lot of sense now. I will be looking into it of why, but it is a school rule. Obviously, it's nothing to do with the athletics. The NCAA would never, ever let that happen. But it's a bunch of Canucks. Obviously, we're a Canadian heavy friendly on uh, the crease dive. But I I got Robert Morris, man. Be careful because you never, never want a sneaky dark horse team uh, coming up uh, tournament time. So they will be my man up. Robert Morris, good for you guys. Keep keep it rolling. Who do you have for your man down? Who, who, who is short, Jordy? Yeah, well, I mean, real quick, I think uh, now, now all I'm thinking about is that Canadians get into Robert Morris for free. I think that when it's time for me to have my firstborn, I might just move up to Canada real quick, get some citizenship, pop that baby out, and then have him go to Robert Morris for free, be a little lefty attackman stud. Uh, now, my man down... Listen, I this is going to be a, uh, my my official trigger warning here because I think it's going to upset uh, you know a, a decent amount of lacrosse fans, and by lacrosse fans, I mean probably just Syracuse people. Uh, my man down of the week, it's got to be the Kraus Simmons Trophy. Uh, so I mean, hear me out here for a second, guys, before everybody turns off the podcast and 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 stops listening forever. So the Kraus Simmons Trophy, for those of you who don't know, it goes to the winner of the Syracuse first Hobart game every year. Uh, you know, it was the Syracuse first Hobart, it was probably one of the first ever organized lacrosse games. So these guys have been playing for over 100 years. Now, here's the thing. A rivalry like that, incredible. Obviously, it's, it's something that I would, you know, why why is that my man down? Well, because... When is the last fucking time that this rivalry ever actually meant something? I mean, I I think I remember Hobart squeaking out a win at some point over the last 10 years or so. But these two teams have played, you know, 100 to 105 times already. And Syracuse has won like 75 of them. So this is not a rivalry. The fact that Syracuse just like holds up this trophy after smacking down Hobart every year is... I mean, it, it's just a hilarious image to me to see like this whole team so excited holding up a trophy. And it's like, dude, like no disrespect. Again, no disrespect. We always say it, but no disrespect to Hobart. You guys just beat Hobart. Like fucking congrats. You beat him in the middle of the season. Um, but yeah, so Kraus Simmons trophy. I'm, uh, I'm kind of over it. I mean, the, the picture of Q's holding it up every year just keeps getting funnier to me because it's like it's it's like not like not a big deal at all and like not in the ironic way but Robbie L, what are your thoughts on Kraus Simmons the guy who always holds it up is Ryan Simmons uh he is the coach's son um and obviously the grandson of legendary Syracuse coach uh Simmons who started this program and which is why it's always been such like a big deal but I, I'm right there with you it's kind of gotten to the point it, it's very rich in tradition you can never ever take away this trophy or a quote rivalry but it's kind of gotten to the point where it's like maryland playing quinnipiac obviously no disrespect but i mean this is a kind of a game that you should win not really a rivalry anymore um yeah that's kind of like all i really got on it uh with you there i mean obviously it's, it's like a big win like two teams that are like very close to each other uh syracuse when you think of college lacrosse i think of what teams come to mind they're like Virginia, UNC, Syracuse, and Hopkins just kind of growing up. And Syracuse's first ever Division One game was against Hobart. So, like, I definitely totally get it, and you do too. But I'm right, right next to you there. I just think that this is hey, – maybe maybe we could start start a new one. I'm not really sure what it would be. 
Yeah, keep 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 playing the game, but like get rid of the enormous trophy. That's all I'm saying. I, <laughs> the rivalry isn't my man down. It is the Kraus Simmons trophy. That's my man. I down, saw but... I saw confetti coming down actually. After oh season. Jesus! All right, that's my double man down. Who do you got for your man down this week, Robbie? Oh. Uh, for my man down of the week, I got the Midwest offenses. I don't want to name names, but I got Marquette, I got Ohio State, and I got Michigan. Junk, 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 junk. Uh, Michigan, uh, obviously, coming off that huge upset uh, against Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think their offense is good. Um, Ohio State, those that was kind of the team, regardless of their little slip-ups in the beginning of the season when I would always – uh, make the excuse that they're wearing the STX Stallions. I would stick by them. I was pretty loyal to them, but uh, I'm – I don't know. <laughs> they're they're not the that train. great. I'm jumping off the train. They're not that great. Um, so real quick, just a number crunch. Um, points per game, Michigan on the top with 11. Ohio State, 8.5. Marquette, 7.5. Um, this is college across. I mean, we're seeing these scores every single week now, whether it be new stick technology, the kids getting better. I mean, you and I have been saying this it's, it's, it's week after week, weekend after weekend, we are seeing these insane goals. And if you look across the board on the D one slate calendar, teams are putting up 15 plus. So those numbers aren't really that high. Uh, these are all obviously solid, solid teams that are like top 25 contenders, but uh, I'm shorting them. Uh, I don't think uh, any of them have a shot uh, in the tournament. Uh, that's a very bold statement. I might be getting some heat for that. Jeez, <laughs> kind of going on like a tangent, taking it real personal. Um, but, but no, I got Midwest offenses uh, being trash. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll 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 keep tabs on that take. We'll have uh, old takes exposed, <laughs> holding on to that one until Memorial Day weekend. But you know, I, I'm with you there. I mean, they're just it's uh, not not necessarily Michigan, not necessarily, but you know, they're kind of meat and potatoes lacrosse out in the Midwest, and maybe that's just kind of my you know prejudice against mid the the people of the midwest is that they're just meat and potatoes people uh but it kind of rubs off on their offense you know even even when they have you know they have some canadians there you think that it'd be a little bit more flashy but i mean i guess that they just try to grind teams away i guess that they just kind of take on the persona of that entire region and uh yeah i mean I'm, i'm right there with you i'd rather see uh yeah, dude, I definitely don't want to play offense against them. You and I were both attackmen. I mean, all three of those teams have very, very hungry and physical defenses, and those deep pulls will get you right in between the pads, right on the wrist where you don't want on a ground ball. So, uh, yeah, my uh, my man down, like I said, will be uh, the Midwest offenses. Yeah, I mean, uh, attackmen are definitely leaving. You know, if you're leaving the Midwest with a few new bruises there. Uh, but, you know, that's enough defense talk for right now. Let's change gears here and talk to one of the best offensive talents in the world right now. We have an interview here. We forgot to mention it in the beginning of the episode, but it's well worth the wait. We've got Jordan Wolf on the line of the Dallas Rattlers, formerly of Duke, a current Team USA player. So Jordy Wolf, we'll, uh, we'll get him on right here. I think he's calling right now. 
And joining us now, we are lucky enough to have former national champion, former Duke attackman, current attackman for the Dallas Rattlers, and also for Team USA coming up here in the World Games this summer. We've got Jordan Wolf, the pride of Lower Marion, Pennsylvania. Jordan, how's it going today, bud? What's going on, Jordan? It's going well. How about yourself? Thanks for having me. Dude, so, so what are you up to these days? You know, I, I know that you know lacrosse. We're not quite at a point yet where you can go on to play professionally and you know really make a living out of that. Uh, so, you know, as soon as guys graduate from college, they move on to the MLL, but they got plenty of other you know quote unquote real jobs as well. So, you know, what what do you do these days? Uh, when you don't have a lacrosse stick in your hands? Yeah, I, I work full-time. Uh, I work at a venture capital firm here in New York City. Um, I love lacrosse. I love playing. It's definitely – that's what I focus on is the playing aspect. It's definitely uh, not my full-time thing, but still very important to me. And actually moving to uh, back to Durham uh, in June, uh, going back to business school there. So going back to North Carolina, I'm very excited. Dude, look at that. Look at the brains on this guy going back to school. Hey, listen, student athletes, right? The student comes yeah. first before the athlete. Uh, well, if I, if I was a better student, you know, the first four years, I might not have to go back. So, <laughs> yeah. for round two. Uh, Jordan Wolf, a.k.a. Billy Madison. And, uh, <laughs> dude, yeah, like you said, you are balanced and you're kind of wearing two hats. A lot of uh, – and a lot of people in the MLL are kind of doing what you're doing. Can you uh, just talk about the balance between the two? I mean, does your managing director know that you're a stud in the MLL? Like, how does that work when you're, you know, you're flying out to all these different states on the weekends? Yeah, it's definitely a conversation you need to have. Um, luckily, my job is very flexible. All the jobs I've had after college have been very flexible, and that's kind of a, you know on purpose because I know that in order to continue to play at a high level, I need you know to be able to you know obviously a boss who understands your your weekends you know four months out of the year, and also just being able to stay in shape and things like that. So um, yeah, he I, I don't think he he's okay with it. I guess as I said, I'm pretty flexible with my schedule, and it definitely uh, helps me out when the summertime comes. Yeah, and uh, so this summer you're going to have a little bit of a different commute than you were having last summer as the Rattlers, they moved from Rochester down to Dallas this year. So the Dallas Rats, uh, you know, what, what's that move been like for you? Um, you know, I, I know that you were probably pretty in, involved in the process there, at least a little bit. Uh, and especially as a Philly guy going down to Dallas, I saw you on Instagram the other week. I guess you were down there at the facilities. Uh, you got a nice little uh, Go Eagles caption going on in one of your pictures there. So, I mean, you're a Philly guy. You're playing down in Dallas. You're playing in Jerry Jones's stadium. Uh, you know, what, what's what's that move been like for you? And have you kind of been rubbing it in, you know, the locals' face a little bit now that? Eagles are Super Bowl champions. I, I definitely not kept it quiet that I'm an Eagles fan. I, I usually let everyone know we meet down there. Um, it's just where I'm from. I can't help it. Uh, we'd much rather be playing at the link, but the uh, Cowboys practice facility is a pretty cool place. And now it, it's been great. Um, and I want to make sure that I don't take anything away from Rochester because you know I was drafted there. I loved Rochester. We had an absolute blast. Um, city was great. People were the best. And then thankful for the organization but I think moving to Dallas definitely a bit of a new change for us and I think it was needed um seems like there's more energy from the players who've been on our team for a while um you know our whole team decided to, to you know, move with this transition and and uh try out Dallas and we're all enjoying it um the facilities are great the the new president's been very involved um obviously this, this uh similar coaching staff which is obviously making the transition a little easier so it's great we're excited we had our first training camp as you said a couple weeks ago and 
it was awesome. Um, it's a lot warmer in Dallas than upstate New York right about now. So we're excited about that. That's awesome. And, uh, and Jordy, if uh, the Ohio machine doesn't work out, obviously uh, Long Island Lizards didn't. Uh, Jordan, uh, Jordy and Jordan. Jordy, you think uh, you can maybe throw in the good word for the crease dive boys? Yeah, if you need uh, two lefty attackmen to work with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he fitted well. We got a lot of Canadians, a lot of lefties. I think it'd be a perfect fit. So I'll definitely put the word in. Now, going back to Duke, how you got here. Um, when you think about Duke lacrosse, uh, you know, you got obviously names like yourself. You got the Ned Crotties. You got the uh, Donowski legacy. Just t- talk us through your experience at Duke, um, winning a national championship. I, I mean, I'm sure we can go on for hours and hours about this, but I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about that run that you had your four years at Duke. Yeah, I had you know an unbelievable experience at Duke. It was the best four years of my life. I, I always wanted to go to Duke growing up for no particular reason. Uh, no family went there, and it just something felt different, you know, kind of uh, positively different. I always say during my recruits and my recruiting trips, and that was the only place I really considered. Um, and I was, you know, obviously it definitely uh, was the right choice for me. And for uh, you know, forgetting about all the you know on field accomplishments and things, you know, off field. Just the relationships I made with all my, you know, all my teammates. Uh, I'm extremely close with the coaching staff. You know, they've developed me from, you know, a pretty immature kid coming uh, into college into, you know, uh, an adult now, and I, I still speak to them all the time. Um, so it's been great. It's something that I'm really proud to be a part of that that community. And obviously, going back again for for grad school, there was really no place I wanted to be more than, than Durham. So it's a special place, special program for me. Yeah, and I mean, your your boys are definitely ripping it up this year, uh, you know, led by Justin Gutterding, who just joined the uh, the 300 point club the other week. Um, but yep. you know, they're, they're, gonna, they're a top five program in the nation. I mean, that's just something that we kind of get used to seeing from Duke year in and year out. But it definitely seems like they've got a great thing going this year, especially, you know, that that senior class. Um, you know, I feel like you, you were a little spoiled getting, you know, a, a few trips to Memorial Day weekend, your four years at Duke. <laughs> Uh, this is a senior class who they haven't been there yet. So, I mean, what are you thinking with your boys? Like, do, do they finally get to have that experience that you had in your four years? Oh, 100%. They're definitely going this year. Um, they seem so determined. This team this year is so deep in uh, positions. Like when I was there, they have their, you know, we have, they have like, you know, six or seven midfielders who could score. Their defense is stacked. I mean, it's a really deep, you know, strong team. And I think, you know, not being in the final four the last few years has definitely eaten at them a little bit, it seems. And they seem more driven. The coaches seem more driven. Um, you know, Justin's having an unbelievable season. It's a pleasure to watch him, um, you know, produce and represent Duke. So I'm definitely pulling for them. I definitely believe that they'll be, uh, you know, hoisting the trophy at the end of the year and definitely going to continue to support them. Yeah. I mean, they had uh, the one little slip up at UPenn where uh, me and Jordy uh, saw you, got to hang out for a little bit. Um how, I mean, are, are you still involved with that program? You know, are, are you talking, Justin, obviously very similar players in that regard? Um, how, how involved are you with the Duke lacrosse program? Not really anymore, to be honest. Uh, my freshman so class, my freshman, when I was a senior, my freshmen are now gone, so I'm kind of forgotten. Um, but I'm really close with Ned Karate. Obviously, he played for the Rats with me in Team USA and gotten extremely close for the last few years. Matt Tadowski is someone I, I've always looked up to. He's a mentor of mine, and now he's one of my closest friends. You know, we talk on a daily basis so you know I, i'm more involved i guess talking to them and and the coaching staff but i'll reach out to justin if you know uh, every now and then to make sure he's doing well and especially when he was a younger player and it's a little different you know challenge coming from high school to to duke and with our coaching staff which i had to go through myself so you know i'm involved from afar i'm definitely as supportive as possible but it's it's not i'm pretty forgotten now I'm 26 and uh 
you know, there's a whole new crowd now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're 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 ripping it up still. Um, you know, I, I we're we're both the same age, grew up playing against each other, and you know, I I struggled to lace up the cleats uh, for for summer beer league games. So the fact that you're still out there ripping it up, I mean, I guess you're you're still one of the younger guys out there. I mean, dude, some of the guys who are still playing, who are you know getting pushing thirty, um, it's unbelievable what they can do. Um, but you know, I, I guess a little bit of that has to do with the fact that you know maybe the workload in the MLL isn't quite as I don't know if demanding is is the word that I'm looking for here, but you know you're not practicing you know every day. Uh, you know definitely, you know you're definitely spending yourself on the weekends with those games. But just how is life different in the MLL compared to you know you're, you're playing in college? Yeah, it's it's definitely demanding, but in a much different way. You know I couldn't imagine right now practicing every day for three or three and a half hours and you know in the hot sun and getting the other crap kicked out of me, but um, you got to be really, especially in New York City, where it's tough to find field space. It's tough to find, you know, resources, whether it be weight rooms or trainers or things like that. You got to be really creative and and really, you know, regimented. And if this is important to you, I think that you'll you'll put in the work. But it's a little difficult when you have to take subways with your stick or find a you know field at six in the morning. So, but again, it, it's tough, obviously, with you know your teammates because you're seeing them, you know, for a couple hours on Friday and then the game time is Saturday. So it's it's really important to have a strong bond with your um and some good chemistry with the guys that you have and and really make the most of your weekends because again you're, you're only seeing them a couple times a week yeah i mean like you said uh lacrosse especially i mean any team sport but honestly lacrosse it, it, it's a brotherhood you know you don't have that that greek life at the colleges you know your lacrosse team is your family and uh you know just going off of that i mean what is your four years at duke what would you say your favorite memory off the field is for you um, I think winning my senior year, um, that was just obviously the best way to, to end your career. And, you know, being with that, my class, who we're obviously we're extremely close and been through so much together and, and that coaching staff, I mean, just to kind of enjoy ourselves and, and finally take the, you know, the foot off the gas because we kind of completed the mission was, uh, it was really special. We had a great celebration, you know, on the bus ride home and the next few days, obviously maybe a couple more than a few days, but, uh, that was amazing. And the best way to obviously end my, uh, you know, my career. Yeah, and uh, you, you you got to win that one in Philly, correct? We won my junior year in Philly and my uh, senior year in um, in Baltimore. Uh, okay, well, I mean, so I mean, let's just talk about that that junior year win, though. I mean, being able to to come back to your home city, uh, you know, I'm sure that you had uh, you know plenty of people in the crowd there. Uh, so, I mean, you get to win the pretty much the the biggest championship that the sport has to offer i mean i don't want to take anything away from the mll or the nll uh but i think in in terms of popularity uh memorial day weekend is probably the biggest stage for lacrosse so being able to win that pretty much on your home turf where you know where your hometown eagles get to play uh you know every sunday so you know what was that like and then also you know as as a guy who's uh, you know, very, very biased for Philly. Uh, you know, what separates Philly lacrosse players from the rest of the country? I, I, I think I know the answer here, but I want to hear it from you as well. Yeah, I think I downplayed it that weekend. I got a lot of questions about that from, you know, media and friends, but I, I tried to say it was just another game, but it was obviously different being in the final four in Philly. Um, I love being from Philly. I'm going to eventually live in Philly. Um, I'd like to embody a lot that the city has and that was really cool. I obviously had a lot of friends and family there and to win at the Eagle Stadium was, uh, you know, I would have liked to win in any stadium, but being able to do it in Philadelphia was great. And, you know, I think over the years, you know, Philadelphia has definitely separated itself with certain players. Um, 
you know, Matt Rambo obviously went to tour and was really cool for, for, um, you know, our local community. But I just think that we have a, a sense of toughness. Um, that's probably the word I always turn to when I think of Philadelphia lacrosse players. I always tell my friends who are coaching that they need more Philly guys on their roster because we're the tougher ones. Um, and that's something I always, you know, try to keep in mind when I'm playing. And, um, you know, even to this day, something that I always, you know, turn to. Speaking, speaking of tough, um, you know, this can correlate to the weight room, Jordan. Um, is it true? Are the rumors true? The forums are uh, spiraling. Did you or did you not squat more than 500 pounds in college? I did. Um, people always ask me about that. I have a really big butt and really little legs, so I don't really have much, too much distance to go. Um, so I was kind of built for that. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, my. I think a squat record at Duke that was mine for a while. I think some. I think a kid broke it. Might have broke it this year. Um, so I'm gonna have to go back and and maybe figure out how to beat him and when I go back to school. So, but yeah, that that's the truth. Yeah, I mean the the large ass. It uh, it it's definitely it definitely caught. It's a hockey butt. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier in the interview, but you know, y- you and I, we we grew up playing hockey. You know, with each other, against each other. Uh, got got to grow up playing lacrosse against each other our entire career. I, I, we had a question on Twitter last week. Uh, about you know who who's the best player that we ever played against? Your name immediately popped into mind, so talked about that a little bit. Uh, but I I did make sure that I mentioned that uh, all throughout high school, Lower Marion versus Springfield. Uh, I, I don't. I, I knew think, you were going to bring this. I don't up. think you ever got a win against Springfield. So is, is that something that will occasionally keep you up at night? So, firstly, yeah, Jordy, to everyone out there, was one of my first friends ever, Haverford Hawks, when we were like, you know, six or seven years old. I don't know when it was. My mom always reminds me of that. But Springfield, Springfield and that, that horrible field, um, yeah, it keeps me up. I, I still see Austin Cout in net. I think I, not only did we get blown out every time, but I think I had over four years maybe a goal or two. Joe Adana, good defender, didn't like going against him. Um but yeah, we didn't have a lot of success against Springfield, whether it be at your place or at Lower Marion. So that's definitely one of the, the tougher uh, rivals over the years. That was a good team. You guys had. Yeah. Uh, Tough place. To yeah. Well, he, he's not lying about our shitty field. The year is 2018 and we still play on grass. And not only it's and it's not like grass, like ACC grass. It's like grass that, you know, like you fall down and you're shattering your knee on some rocks. Uh, but yeah. I mean, so I'm, so Springfield matchups aside, uh, you know, you have some bigger games coming up, especially this summer. You're going to be representing Team USA at the World Games in Israel. Uh, I mean, first off, like lacrosse aside, that is going to be a sick experience for you. Uh, but obviously, you know, you're, you're not going there just for the experience. You're going there to, to bring back a gold medal. So. Um, you know, what, what's your, you know, your thoughts heading into that tournament? Uh, I mean, the, the roster looks absolutely stacked, um, you know, and obviously Canada is going to be stacked as well. But I mean, it's going to be tough for you guys are going to have the ball on offense pretty much every single game with Baptiste and Garenli in there taking faceoffs for you guys. You got Pinnell, Rabel, yourself, Schreiber. Um, so, I mean, this is going to be probably one of the best lacrosse teams ever assembled. And, you know, how, how do you feel being a part of that? Yeah, it's definitely an honor to be chosen for that. Um, you know, my be- one of my good friends, Dave Lawson, who I went to Duke with, made a team four years ago. And I just remember watching him and thinking how cool of an experience he was having. It was something that I pretty much set my mind to then that I wanted to strive for in four years. And it seemed so far away because um, it was happened right when I graduated. But yeah, I couldn't be more honored to be a part of the team. And it's probably a little bit extra special just because Coach Danowski is the coach. And 
obviously being very close with Matt and Ned and then my you know Rattler teammates, Joel and Galloway. It's, it's, it's a great group of top, as you said, top to bottom roster wise, it's the most talented group I've ever played with. Um, and, and like you said, we're, we're definitely going to enjoy the experience. I'm going to try to enjoy every day of it. Cause again, this is probably the, the last thing that I've wanted to accomplish, um, at, at, you know, playing lacrosse. And, but like you said, we're, we're trying to go there for a mission and, and bring it back. Um, I think that the players who are on the team four years ago, definitely are still stinging from the loss. Um, to Canada. So, you know, I'm just trying to do whatever it takes to, uh, to help in any way to, to uh, you know, get the victory. To yeah. end. I mean, it's going to be an absolutely surreal experience. And I'm sure you guys know you're playing for something more than, uh, you know, just the game. You're kind of, you're, you know, you're playing for what's on the front of the jersey. And uh, yeah, um, that is going to be an incredible experience. And um, Jordy, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to have some coverage of the World Games, correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, in in some way or another, uh, would love to to make it out to Israel this summer. I don't think that uh, you know there's any chance that I would say no if an opportunity arises. But it, at, in some way or another, we're gonna have plenty of coverage coming up from that. Uh, so you know, make sure. Hey, Jordan, we might have to get you. Uh, you know, just taking over our Instagram while you're over there. Uh, you know, and <laughs> I think that there's definitely a, a cast of characters on that roster who will be great for content. Um. Yeah, absolutely. My floor is always ready for you guys. If you want to crash, <laughs> anything you guys need. Um. Yeah. So I I just have a a few closing questions here for you. I'm sure that you know Robbie has a few quick ones as well. Uh, starting off here. So again, we mentioned you're a, a lower Marion grad. Uh, and you know, listen, coming out of Lower Marion, I I don't know if I'm missing anybody, but I'd say my top three athletes out of Lower Marion, we've got. Kobe Bryant, you may have heard of him. You got John Christmas, you may have heard of him. And then you got Jordan Wolf. So, li- listen, you guys are playing. You know, let let's say you guys have, uh, you know, a decathlon. You guys, you play, you you play basketball, you play lacrosse, uh, you play hockey, you play soccer. Like, who comes out of that group with the most amount of wins? I gotta think Kobe. I don't think I'd ever want to compete against him. That guy is, you know, someone I've always looked up to just the way he approaches sports. Um, but I, I never could imagine going against him. So I feel like you never really bet against it. I mean, wait, am, am I? Am I? Okay. I mean, am I out of the loop? Did Kobe play football? Was he a three-sport athlete? What did? Because uh, I mean, we're combining sports here. I think. Yeah, that's true. I mean. I think he just played basketball. He was so focused on it, but I feel like he's pretty. He's got to be pretty good at everything. Yeah, the uh, and, and, and you know what? And I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to beat the Mamba in anything because he yeah. seems like such a competitor. Where if you beat him, he's going to want to ruin your life. Um, exactly. So, so he he's definitely got that that kill switch. Uh, so and he's my hero. So I'd have to let him win. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, and, and and speaking of you know John Christmas and you know these, these athletes coming out of field, but speaking of John Christmas, uh, he's a former member of the Philadelphia wings. Uh, the wings, they're coming back next year, 2019. That season will be their first year back since leaving a few years ago. Uh, you know, with the wings coming back, is there ever any chance that we could see you try to suit up, uh, in the box? I think the only chance would be just for the Wings because, I mean, how cool would it be to play for Philadelphia? Uh, you know, the Wings are – like, an indoor lacrosse is so perfect for a city like Philadelphia. So I'm glad that it's back. And, you know, I grew up watching John Christmas who, who ended up being my high school coach and someone who definitely was a huge influence in my young, young lacrosse life. Um, 
So if, if there is a chance, it's only for the wings. Well, there we, yeah, there we go. We'll, uh, you know, we'll have to uh, listen. I, I, I mean, I'm definitely going to have to see if I can get myself an open tryout with them. If, uh, if, if the machine don't work out for me. So I don't want to, I don't want to take that. that <laughs> Just keep jumping. I don't want to take that spot <laughs> from you on the roster. So I'll make sure that if you want to try out, I'll, I'll leave it open for you. Uh, but if not, you know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be your agent. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think you've ever seen a worse indoor lacrosse player than me, so I think that you'd be taking the spot over me. Um, and during that tryout, uh, for the lax rats out there who want to know the stick setup, no free ads, but uh, you are a Maverick and Cascade athlete. What is the stick setup for the Big Bad Wolf? Yeah, I use. Uh, I'm not an equipment person at all. Obviously, I, I love Maverick, and they have. Uh, you know, I use their stuff. Um, I, I use an optic and, and a rain shaft. I'll probably use that, um, you know, for the rest of my career works great for me. Um, and that's, that's my setup, but I'm not a gear person. My little brother strings, most of my sticks or, um, you know, someone else, I have no clue. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's yeah, what I'm well, using. I, I, whatever holds the ball and then whatever puts the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, the less you got to worry about is, is always better for there me. There we go. Well, hey, I, I hope whatever stick setup you're working with this summer, uh, you know, works wonders for you. Uh, so huge inaugural season coming up here in Dallas for the Rattlers. Uh, we're really looking forward to, you know, watching how your team uh, kind of gr- keeps growing the game down there. And we're also really looking forward to catching you guys this summer. Team USA playing at the World Games in Israel. Uh, going to be a huge summer for the Big Bad Wolf, Jordan. I can't thank you enough for jumping on here. We'll, uh, you know, we'll let you get back to everything that you're doing right now, and we'll have to, uh, we'll talk to you at some point in the rest of the season. Really appreciate it, Jordan. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys having me. All right, we'll talk to you. All right, and thank you again to Jordan Wolf for popping on the podcast. Really looking forward to seeing the boys rip it up in Dallas this year at the Cowboys facilities. Like we said, we're probably going to have to make it out to a game at some point this summer. But speaking of the MLL, one guy who is going to be a certified lock for the number one overall pick in this upcoming draft, it's got to be Trevor Baptiste. I mean, we have not seen a... You know, a kid like this, a talent like this in the game for quite some time, just a guy who is this dominant at a position. I mean, uh, unless you're, you know, you're talking about TD Ireland kind of coming up there. He's had another perfect game this year, but it's always all about Trevor Baptiste when we're talking about faceoffs. And he's going to have his hands full. Uh, again, he's got the Denver Pios are going on the road to play against the Villanova Wildcats, home of the national champions. And this game this game just got flexed to Friday night under the lights at Villanova. This, I mean, that campus is going to be fired up, liquored up. I'm recording this on Wednesday. Nova is supposed to have their victory parade on Thursday as long as weather's not super shitty. So, I mean, think about this week for Villanova. Uh, They've got the national championship on Monday night. They've got a victory parade on Thursday night, and then they're hosting Trevor Baptiste and the Denver Pioneers Friday night under the lights. Listen, man, I mean, the, the winning vibe is in the air there in the main line there on Villanova's campus. Is, is Trevor Baptiste, I mean, is going 100% in the face-off X, is that even going to be enough to take down the city of champions? 
Uh, you know what? I, I don't think it is. And I mean, we're talking about the City of Champions and we're talking about maybe a little bit the white collar part of the City of Champions. But dude, you and I were boots on the ground. UPenn versus number one in the country, Duke. You and I saw that UPenn Stadium, dude. It was popping and the student section was getting after it. Friday night under the lights after winning the NCAA basketball Final Four National Championship. I heard DiVincenzo is going to be in the stands. I heard Bridges is going to be on the stands. I mean, this whole Villanova campus has been sliding up and down poles since Monday night. I can't see them getting down uh, come Friday night. Uh, dude, I think that uh, Tierney and the Pios are going to be walking into a hostile environment. And I, I think this is, uh, I wouldn't even call it a trap game because these are, you know, two top 10 teams going at it. Two in-conference teams despite uh, <laughs> opposite ends of the coast. But this is going to be a, a very, very good game to watch, dude. I really, really wish that we can get out there. This is going to be a very exciting game from start to finish. Um, if any of you guys are in the area and are watching this game at Villanova, please hit us up on our socials. That is at the crease dive on Instagram and Twitter at the crease dive. Um, dude, this is going to be an absolute epic game. I obviously, I think this is the highlight of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, the only way that Denver is going to go in there and shut up that Villanova crowd is if they start pumping rubber into the back of the net and if there's one kid on this Denver roster who can do that about as good as anybody else in the nation, it is sophomore attackman Ethan Walker, the Canuck. He's got 30 goals, 13 assists on the year. Uh, I mean, Denver, they're going to have to get themselves going and they're going to have to get themselves going early uh, because, again, the environment that this game is going to be in, um, you know, uh, listen, we're, we're not fools here. We know that, you know, Villanova lacrosse isn't as much of a pool uh, in terms of getting people out on campus as the basketball team is. But again, you have to take into consideration that this campus has been on a bender for the last week. So they, they see their Wildcats playing any sport. They're going to show up. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's going to take guys like Ethan Walker and Austin French just putting up points in this game, doing it early. It's going to take Trevor Baptiste, uh, you know, winning a few fast breaks to himself, taking it down and, and ripping one, uh, you know, just going top shelf right under the crossbar there. So if they let this thing get out of hand early, it definitely has the makings of a game that could get ugly, especially with Villanova having the season that they are having. Um, but you know what, for myself, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, water finds its level, um, and that eventually Philly sports are going to have to kind of crash down from this high that we've been riding on. Uh, so I, I do think Denver is able to squeak out of there and ruin Villanova's parade just a little bit, but don't wait for the, the, uh, for the students there because they're, uh, they're still having a plenty good time this week. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think you said it. I mean, do not let this team get hot, especially in front of a home crowd. I mean, dude, you know what it's like, especially under the lights. It's it's a complete game changer, especially like a small school like Villanova. You know they're going to get every everyone out there. And uh, when I think of Villanova, led by Christian Cuccinello, a former Mountain Laker, dude, leading the team with 37 points, you got the freshman phenom, Keegan Kahn, with 32 points. Dude, that kid went seven for nine 
He had seven goals last game on nine shots. That is just absolutely stupid. And he had Danny Seibel. I mean, we, we talk about him uh, whenever we talk about Villanova just for his – I mean, I'm a Giant fan. You're an Eagle fan. So I think we can both, and I think a lot of the country, can appreciate a lacrosse kid spiking his stick on an OT winner, Selly, on the Dallas Cowboys star. So those three attackmen are going to need to click and fire around. Dude, this is going to be an exciting game. Denver only had six goals last week, yet coming out with a win. I'm seeing this game completely different. I know Denver's battling with a lot of injuries, but I think this one's going to be a high-scoring game. Obviously, like you said, face-offs are going to be real important, and I think it's going to come down to uh, momentum. Um, I I got Villanova here. I know you're riding with – Riding with Denver, I think uh, home court is going to play a huge role into this. And uh, I think under the lights, I think the Philly factor, I'm a big fan of momentum. Uh, I, I got the Wildcats here, man. V's up. Robbie O going V's up for Nova Nation. Uh, next up on our schedule this weekend, I mean, this is a matchup that, listen, I don't, I don't foresee either of these teams having a run in May. I, hell, I don't even see either of these teams getting into the tournament but it's still ACC lacrosse. And any time that two ACC teams come together, you know that we're going to be treated to a show. It is going to be the Virginia Cavaliers traveling to North Carolina. And again, Virginia, they are looking for their first ACC win since 2014. We've been talking about this all season long. When will be the time that Virginia finally gets that massively large monkey off of their back. When does Lars Tiffany get his first win in the ACC? Could it be this week? On the other hand, on the other hand, we've got a UNC team who we, after they lost three games in a row, we said, Oh, well they can't possibly lose four games in a row. They're still too good for that. They lose four games in a row. We're saying, Oh, they can't possibly lose five games in a row. They're too good for that. They lose five games in a row heading into this game. They started off the season 6-0. and They are now 6-5. and So we've got Virginia looking for their first ACC win in years. And we've got UNC looking for their first win since like fucking February. Is there any way that both of these teams lose? I mean, I'm not really sure, sure what's going on uh, with these two teams. Um once again, the crease dive uh, calls it again. Uh, we've been short in UNC since week two. Um, dude, uh, we, we did not think that they'd be able to do a five-loss skid, but uh, here we are. Uh, UVA, who hasn't uh, won an ACC since uh, uh, Steel Stanwick's dad was playing for them, and then UNC um, losing five in a row. This one's going to be at Chapel Hill. So, I don't know. Obviously, this is the ACC, supposedly – quote, the toughest conference. And no, I'm not even going to quote it. I, I do think the ACC is the hardest schedule um, in uh, NCAA Division One lacrosse. But this is the battle for who doesn't get into the ACC tourney. This is pretty much an elimination game. If UVA loses, um, they're not getting in. That season's done. Lars Tiffany can go pack up his bags, uh, get ready for Halloween and dress up as Dracula or something. And if uh, UNC loses, uh, you got Bresci uh, packing his bags and uh, getting ready to surf on July 4th weekend. So these are two uh, two teams that are very, very hungry for a win. Um I don't know if did, did, you said both teams are going to lose. Did, did you come out with a pick? Because uh, Robbie O 
will be rolling with the Tar Heels. And, and to be honest, this is my second straight week rolling with them. Yeah. Ah, uh, oh, fuck, man. I, I, th- I don't want to. I don't want to pick either of these teams. Like, I don't want either of their stink on me right now. Uh, you know, I, I do love the way that Chris Cluche, uh, finds a way to get himself, uh, on the all sauce team week after week after week, even with these five straight losses, he's still out there burying one handed daggers. Uh, so I do love that about him. So, uh, you know what? I want to be a part of history. I, I want to have Lars Tiffany's back as he gets that first conference win, even though it's probably going to be an ugly as hell win. So I'm going to roll with uh, UVA here. So we are on opposite sides for both of those games right now. Now, Robbie O, you're talking about the ACC. You're having you're talking about the ACC having the hardest schedule in college lacrosse. But little did you well, actually, you really did know because you've been talking about the this conference all season so far. But the Patriot League is giving the ACC a run for its money. And hell, the Patriot League right now, it's lapping the ACC in terms of entertainment and excitement. And this week, we have another big Patriot matchup on the line here. We've got the Loyola Greyhounds traveling up to play against the Lehigh Mountain Hawks. Uh, and I mean, listen, I, I don't know if anybody's been checking the weather at all. Uh, you know, the calendar says that it's, you know, right now it's April 4th. I guess this game's being played April 7th. Uh, but the weather it's fucking winter and especially up in Lehigh. I don't know if anyone's ever spent any time. You don't in want Lehigh, to play in but, oh, yeah. It fucking blows. You don't get a, you don't get a spring game there until like the middle of June. Every other time you're freezing your dick off. Uh, you know, and especially with the weather coming in, it looks like it's supposed to be real shitty on Saturday. So, I mean, that's going to be a game where, uh, I mean, I, I don't think that either team is going to be having a ton of success offensively. Uh, it's real hard to get yourself going when, you know, you can't feel your fingers or, you know, you're playing through some sort of snow or some shit. Uh, but, I mean, I'll tell you what, though. Again, if, if one guy can do it, it's Patrick Spencer. And Pat Spencer He's been doing some shit that we have not seen from him, really. Um, and and yeah, like it's just been silly, silly, nonsensical goals that are incredible to watch. I mean, he always kind of strikes me as a kind of guy who plays the game the right way, makes all the right decisions, racks up points that way. He's getting saucy on him this year. I mean, he's scoring backhand goals pretty much every game at this point. So, Robbie O. This is, uh, you know, this is your conference of choice, really. Who do you think comes out on top, Loyola or Lehigh? Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I'll give my pick later, but I, I have a few boys on Lehigh, so I think you know who I'll be riding with. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, th- this is tough. I mean, for me, this is a redemption game for Loyola, uh, losing against Bucknell. And, uh, you know, you, you, you take a glance at the Patriot League. You got Bucknell 5-1. and one. You got Lehigh 5-1. and one. You got Navy Five and one in conference play, which is in the end of the day, if you're a team like Navy or a middle of the pack team, that's that's all that matters. They're six and four, like they've lost against Jacksonville, dude. That that does not matter when it comes to conference play. Loyola is four and one, so this is this is a this is a huge win for Loyola. I mean, I think my voice is cracked there, but this is this is a massive <laughs> this is a massive game for for both teams. I mean, the top four teams in the Patriot League, it is the Wild West, are all five or four plus wins with one loss. So 
I don't know. I mean, the the cold, like you and I know, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, but you got the latex gloves on, you, you got the cold gear on, you're looking dusty. Uh, it's tough. I think Lehigh has the edge here, and I'm going to go with you. I am going to go Lehigh. Um, I think Loyola is the better team, but I, I think when it comes – push comes to shove, you have a whole week to prepare. I, I got Lehigh. I got Coach Castis and the Mountain Hawks taking care of some business. Yeah, I mean, when, when you're playing in shitty weather, the one position that you really need to be able to count on – is the guy you've got between the pipes to, you know, just make sure that everything is in order to make sure that the game stays, you know, in, you know, this, the game stays on pace, that the game stays in, in hand. And uh, when you're talking about, you know, future goalies in college across who are going to be at the very top of the game, uh, James Spence is going to be a name that you need to watch out for. Keep an eye on that. Keep a tab open on your computer. Uh, you know, James Spence been having a great year. He's a Delco guy, Philly guy. Uh, so, you know, maybe he'll be bringing some of that, you know, like we've been talking all episodes so far, some of that winning Philly mentality into this game. Uh, but again, you know, I, I think Loyola, their their offense is great. You know, they, they've got plenty of talent, uh, especially at the attack position. But I think, you know, if if the passes just aren't able to be crisp or if they're playing through kind of shitty conditions, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a real big day in net for James Spence. And then obviously he's got his brother down at the other end of the field, uh, along with a couple other really great attackmen there with Lehigh. So, yeah, we're uh, doubling up on the Mountain Hawks there. Uh, and real quick, uh, you know, this next game on the schedule, listen, it's, it's nothing special. Uh, you know, it's, it is another conference game. We've, we've got an America, America East matchup here, Albany UMBC. Listen, the only reason why we're talking about this right now is because Albany is still the only undefeated team in the nation. So they're going to look to keep that one going. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is going to be an easy win for the Great Danes, but it'll be a little less easy than you'd expect because we've got Connor Fields who has ruled out of this game. This is now the second game in a row that Fields will not be playing after he tweaked up his right knee. Not entirely sure what the real diagnosis is on that. I I, I hope that it's nothing that's going to keep him out for too long. I know that Albany has a big game coming up in a couple of weeks against Yale, uh, but I think that it's, it's probably the right decision to rest him up the the most that you can before you enter the tournament. Uh, but yeah, Albany versus UMBC. I could see this, you know, I think the spread on this one will probably be pretty, pretty fat. And I could see UMBC covering. I mean, UMBC is a school, you know, we talked about the the college basketball tournament so far. Uh, you know, they're, they're big on upsets this year. I mean, they took down the number one seed Virginia in the basketball tournament can they take down the number one team in the nation, Albany? Not a fucking chance. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> Robbio, any, uh, any closing remarks uh, on this one? Yeah, no. You got the Retrievers versus the Danes. You got two dogs going head-to-head. Um, I, 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 ah, Albany's just going to absolutely blow the doors off of UMBC. I, I, like I said, like you said, I don't think this one's going to be close. Uh, but, you know, it is. It is really good to see a number one team in the nation stay at number one. Obviously, last year, and obviously I wish uh, the crease side was going on last year because 
week after week after week, the number one spot was a curse. We would see a new number one team every single year. So that was uh, a lot of fun to watch. But, I mean, it is really cool to see a, a, a number one team stay consistent and be number one for a reason. I mean, they are putting up numbers and scores like like none other. And, yes, we are a very offensive-oriented podcast, and we are a little bit biased towards attackmen and goal scorers and just goals and goal scorers. But, I mean, this defense is playing outstanding. Only let up six goals against Harvard, seven against Stony Brook, nine goals against a high-powered Cornell team, eight against uh, UMass, just 10 to the defending champs, uh, Maryland. And, dude, they let up five goals against like that high-powered Vermont Catamounts offense that we always talk about. So uh, th- from the defense to the offense, this team is well-rounded. They're number one for a reason, and this is why we are talking about them. Yes, it's not the most pretty game. Yes, they might not be the most evenly matched teams. But this is an in-conference game still, so you can't rule anything out in any given Sunday mentality. But I got Albany here. I see the Danes rolling. The Dane train is going to keep it going. And uh, I- I'm excited to see uh, see what uh, the American East Conference uh, tournament has for us. Uh, I- call me crazy. I can see some surprises. Yeah, I mean, I, I-, I think just looking at the conference that uh, everything's just kind of setting up here. To We better have that Albany-Vermont rematch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you said, you know, Albany has it rolling from the defense to the offense. Most importantly, right now, they've got it going in between both of them at the faceoff X. Mentioned it before earlier in the episode. Uh, TD Ireland, he had a, for the second time this season, he went 24 for 24 in the faceoff X. That is his second perfect game of the year. Can he get number three this weekend against UMBC down at UMBC? Uh, I sure hope so, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a blowout. Definitely not going to be a, a, a great time for UMBC. But can't, can't wait till they win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just get it over with. Uh, but that is going to wrap up our weekend preview for the slate of games this week. Again, it's, it's not the greatest uh, schedule for college across this weekend, but Again, ton of conference games all across the board. Uh, and anytime you have teams playing against each other who know each other, who play against each other every year, we're bound to see some sort of crazy shit happen. But that'll bring us into we're gonna we're gonna hit a few question marks here. That'll bring us right into our Twitter questions of the week. Uh, you know, make sure again hit us up on our social channels on Twitter and Instagram each week at the Crease Dive with any questions that you guys want answered on that week's episode. Uh, Robbie, we got any uh, got any good questions going on for us on Twitter this week? <laughs> We got a couple of good questions, and uh, the question comes from Dan Aristia, and it's going to go right off of our last topic, the Albany Great Danes. The question is, and this is at Dan Aristia, Dan, and then A-R-E-S-T-I-A, is Albany bad for lacrosse? And when I think of that question, I think of the Golden State Warriors to the NBA. Jordy, is Albany bad for lacrosse? Yeah, I mean, when when I think of it, I think of the UConn women's basketball team. Uh, and you know what? Yes, Albany is terrible for lacrosse because they are ruining competition in college lacrosse. They are just way too good. They are just way too skilled. You cannot have a team 
that features Connor Fields and Ahoka Nanakoke, along with a guy like TD Ireland, who's winning every single faceoff with a goalie like JD Calaruso, who was just eating up rubber all season long. They're taking all the competition out of college across. They're ruining it. They're going to go undefeated the entire season. No one is even going to give them, a t- besides Maryland, maybe, I guess, but that, they had that one in the bag the entire time. So they're going to go undefeated throughout the season. Uh, and you know what? It's, it's like, why even watch the season at that point? Why watch college across? If we knew right from day one that Albany was going to win the national championship, it's like you, we already knew the end of the story. Why, what, you know, why just sit yeah. through all the rest of the chapters? Robbie, um, oh, your take. Yeah, I think Albany is fine for lacrosse. I think they are playing in an absolutely trash conference, and I think they need to figure it out. Um, Matt Rambo actually commented on our Instagram saying that like Maryland just should be number one despite them losing to Albany just due to strength of schedule. Dude, Albany has a really, really bad strength of schedule, and I mean – they just started getting, let's just say, prestigious towards the the Thompson era. So, yeah, like the conference was were made before, but they're not playing anyone good. So, like, when it, when you, when, and, and I agree, it is like the Steph Curry, Kevin Durant kind of loading up a team, dude. And it's not only just them, it's everyone that you've named before. But if they are playing in a Big Ten, a Big East, or an ACC, or a Patriot League, baby, like, are they going to be that same team? Will they be undefeated? It's like uh, it's like the SEC of football. I don't know. That is that's where I stand. I I personally don't think Albany would be uh, a ten and zero team. Yes, they would be good. They would probably be at the top of their conference. But it is very very hard to go undefeated, especially when you're going week after week and like battling against those teams. Like there is a difference going from playing a UNC to playing a Virginia to playing a Notre Dame, then to playing a Canisius to play playing a UMass Lowell to playing a Stony Brook. There is a huge difference in that. It takes a toll on your body. So do I think Albany is bad for lacrosse? No. Do I think they need to get out of that conference or Mar, the athletic department needs to figure out a strength of schedule to like, yeah, make the game fun and like go into games thinking that they could lose. Yes. That's where I stand. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, all right. So do you think, so if Albany goes to say, say they have to go to a big conference. So You've got the ACC, you've got Big Ten, you've got Big East. What conference do you think that Albany goes into and they're still a 10-0 team? Um, conference that they go into and they're still a 10-0 team. Uh, I, I don't think they'd be 10-0 in any of those conferences. Really? I, I, yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I think they'd, they'd have like a slip up or two. I, I just don't think they'd be undefeated in in, uh, in a conference. I, I, I mean, I, I could be very wrong. I mean, they've, they've impressed me every single game. But then again, like you're playing Canisius. I'm like, sorry, like, I, there, there's a difference between you know, these. We, we shit. I mean, we don't shit on UNC, but we give UNC like a really hard time. But, dude, they're playing uh, – but then again, like while I'm talking, I realized that UNC was like beating like Furman and, and like Richmond by like one goal. So I'm, I'm saying that if Albany is an ACC team, they're still ten and zero. I mean, they already took down okay. they already took down Cuse. I think that they, they were they didn't just take them down. They, yeah, they they waxed Cuse. I think that they would easily handle UNC and Virginia. Uh, Duke Duke would give them a tight one for sure, but I think that they kind of get out of that one the same way that they were able to take down Maryland. 
and then you got a Notre Dame team who, you know, I, I think if it were any other year besides this year, you know, maybe Notre Dame would be a team that could kind of match up well against them. Uh, and kind of that would be their slip up. But with the way that, you know, their offense is so hit or miss this year, mm-hmm. I don't think that they'd be able to put up as many goals to to outrun Albany in that uh, in that sprint. Yeah. So, and I mean, no, no, no. And like I, and I, I completely agree with that. I think if they played them, if Albany played any of those teams, they would win. And, and like we saw, they absolutely manhandled Syracuse. But, but my, my only exactly, that, that's my only point is like being in the conference and like week after week is playing as these teams. That that's I, where. I just I just really wanted to take a dig on the ACC <laughs> there for some reason. But uh, next question, uh, let me see. I, I got some of these pulled up here as well. Uh, Rabio, this is going to be one more for you. Uh, we've got uh, Joe Carosa at Joe Carosa three on Twitter. He says, what are your thoughts on Tilted Towers being removed in Fortnite? Uh, quick disclaimer here. <laughs> I am, uh, I guess, one of, the, one of the very few in the world who uh, I'm not a Fortnite guy. It's not because I have anything against Fortnite. It's just because I don't have a gaming system. Uh, so I'm going to have to change that real quick because I'm feeling real out of the loop here. But Rabio, for all the Fortnite players in the world, uh, you're you're going to be the authority on this one, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think it's stirring up the pot in the map. Um, you know, if you find me, I'm dropping at Moisty Meyer, but Tilted Towers is the spot to drop. Um, Jordy, yeah, you've definitely seen some Tilted Towers memes around the internet, but uh, yeah, no, there there is a comet coming to coming to Tilted Towers, about to destroy it. Um, if you look up at the map right now. Um, you could see a meteor about to hit and it is supposed to drop on April 16th. I sound like the biggest nerd right now, but I am not a nerd because Jordy, when we were interviewing, interviewing Dehoga, what was he doing when, uh, we were giving him an interview? What was he playing right before? Dehoga was mid Fortnite game during the interview. <laughs> the I, I legend think, uh, himself is getting victory Royales mid interview. I'm, I'm trying. I, I, th- I think a few other guys were also yeah. playing at the time. <laughs> So I mean, yeah. I, listen, I've got nothing against Fortnite. It's it's huge in the streets right now. I mean, you look at you know uh, goal celebrations in pretty much any sport right now. You've got it. You've got a ton of uh, Fortnite inspired sellies going on there. It just sucks for me because I never have any idea what's going on because I don't play. So again, I I, I need to fix that real quick. Yeah, I mean, uh, just a quick shout-out to Furman. I mean, it started off with their first game, actually, against UNC. Uh, one of the attackmen ripped the the pickaxe celly, and then we saw it this week over there winning against Mercer. The boys were getting a little rowdy with the emotes. So uh, we've definitely not only been seeing it at the Division One level, but all across lacrosse, uh, or all across the country in the lacrosse world. So, uh, yeah, just make sure you guys are keep selling us those sideline sellies. Those have been absolute goal this year and uh, that was one of Jordy's man ups I, I, I want to say it was last week uh, moving on to our next question Jordy uh, this isn't you and I uh, we're gonna have some interesting stance we're gonna have an interesting stance on this because uh, we are both uh, very heavy attackmen but uh, Michael and I'm probably butchering his last name is uh, for for Yon, uh, at Uncle Forge favorite practice drill for working on team defense uh, I mean, personally, uh, I'd say none of them, um, because I never want to play team defense. Uh, so I guess, I don't know. I, I, I guess if you're doing anything, 
uh you know i there there's one that we would usually do in high school where you know you got a you know you got the offense banging it around it kind of in an open set the defense they're running circles around the crease all of a sudden coach blows a whistle and you know the defense has to run out and kind of uh match up on their guys that wasn't necessarily i don't think it was like the greatest drill in the world i just thought that it was really funny to watch the defense have to run around the crease a whole bunch of times uh so that i guess that that would be my my number one answer but yeah i haven't really done too many defensive drills in my day uh you, you got one off the top of your head there, uh, off the top of my head i i got uh the deep holes uh, while, while they're banging around doing some six on six having a little snubs as, as the as the shafts there always get a kick out of that it's uh everyone always says like attack the short stick so uh being able to attack a seven inch warrior kryptonite that's cut down is uh is it's always a real treat but yeah uh, yeah god forbid any of us get uh get stuck on the defensive end uh yeah that's definitely a green light yeah. Oh, dude. But playing against it, like see, seeing uh, six on six with the short sticks on the practice plan, uh, you know, that was always one of my favorite moments of the day in season. Just being like, yes, like I can finally dodge and like not get my dick kicked in. Uh, so, yeah. Listen, if if I ever become, you know, the commissioner of NCAA lacrosse or any sort of lacrosse league, the first thing I'm doing is getting rid of long poles because I hate dodging against them. Uh, and then we got uh, one last question here. Um, you know, in this one, it, it might be a little bit above at least my brain level. I can't really, uh, <laughs> I, I can't really put a great answer on this one here. But we've got uh, Chance Henderson at Chance SSH Lax on Twitter. Uh, he says. Lacrosse not being a sanctioned sport in the West, Northern Nevada School District tried to take away lacrosse from the schools, which is currently a club sport. Thoughts on ways to get the sport sanctioned, pros and cons to the sports. Uh, so, I mean, I guess what's going on here. So, I guess Chance is, is either from like out West or he's from Nevada or something like that. Uh, and, you know, obviously – I'm a Philly guy, Robbie, you're a New Jersey guy. So, you know, both areas that, you know, rich in lacrosse history, the game's been here for a while. The game's still growing out there. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess, I guess that teams are kind of having difficulty, be, you know, they're still at the club level. Um, listen, I don't know how to get the sports sanction. Like, I <laughs> I don't even know, you know, I barely know how to do my own laundry Dude, sometimes. I, 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 I had to Google what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lafayette, we're going to have to take that off because Lafayette is, Lafayette's not going to be happy with, with their education system. You're not going to Google it. But listen, but here, here's my answer to this question. I, I don't have an answer because, again, I, I have no idea how to get that done. But what it does say to me is that it's it's a great look for the game that it is growing to these areas where it hasn't been again philly new jersey the game's been here for you know 100 years uh so you know we i guess we kind of take that thing for granted a little bit uh but you know these these states and these areas where the game is just getting there um you know i don't know how to get it sanctioned but what I will say is just continue to keep doing the great work that you're doing there to grow the game out West. Uh, I mean, the, the more that this game spreads in this country, the bigger it's going to get. Uh, and the bigger that the game gets, the more opportunities that people are going to have within the game. So I, I don't know how to get it sanctioned, 
All I do know is just keep fighting for it to get sanctioned. Um, you know, don't give up that fight. Uh, and yeah, I mean, listen, if, if we need to strong arm anybody into, you know, getting your school district to, you know, make a, you know, to sanction the team instead of just being a club sport, I'm all for strong arming. So, you know, you can hire myself and Robbie. We'll be there in a minute as long as you pay for travel. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. As far as this goes, yeah, I'm just yeah. Like I said, this question's way over my head. But uh, yeah, dude, the the fact the fact that the sport's growing out west, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing Cleveland State teams like Ham, uh, Hampton College come up with lacrosse, dude. It's awesome. Uh, you know, we, we joke about it from time to time that lacrosse is you know the sport of the future, but it really is. It's just a matter of time. And you know, Utah coming up to the Division One level next year, it, it's it's going to be big. So, um, yeah, just, like, keep doing what it's doing. I mean, I was talking to uh, an assistant coach at a Division I school um, and a D3 school. I was working a, a summer camp, and they were just saying, dude, like, it used to be, you know, you, you go to top 205, you go to your blue chip, you go to your, um, I don't know what, what, what the one-up in, uh, in mass is. But, I mean, now, dude, now all these coaches are complaining. And not complaining. I mean, it's nice, but they got to go to California. They, they got a showcase in Las Vegas. There's one down in Texas. I mean, Talent is coming everywhere. I mean, last week we had Nate Solomon from Syracuse on, dude. The kid came from Georgia. So, uh, I mean, I mean, these kids, you know, it, it's not just a, a Maryland, uh, a Philly, a, a Jersey, a Mass. You know, you know, it, it's coming from everywhere now, and and you you absolutely love to see that as a lacrosse fan, and you know that that's something. As a lacrosse community, we're such a tight-knit group, and we always talk about it. That's something that we could all rally around and, and stick together and agree on. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel so, so bad for those coaches who have to travel to California. That must really suck, guys, <laughs> you bastards. But So that is going to wrap things up for episode 11 of the Crease Dive. Uh, real quick, before we get ourselves out of here, I uh, just want to say, I think we might have a few big things in the works here, um, you know, with the crease dive along with pal lacrosse heading into the NCAA tournament next month. So keep an eye out for that. Um, also make sure to keep an eye out for everything that we're doing on socials, uh, you know, at the crease dive on Instagram and Twitter, make sure to check us out on barstoolsports.com. We've got a, a weekend preview blog that comes out every Friday along with the, uh, with the podcast episode. So keep an eye out for everything. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. Ravio, you got any closing remarks for, for the boys and girls back home? Like you said, Jordy, the crease dive boys have a couple of things, a couple of big things in the works. So make sure you got your eyes out. Make sure you guys are following us on our socials. Hit us up in the DMs. Slide on in. Tell us what you want to hear. Another big weekend of lacrosse. Another weekend closer to Memorial Day weekend. And, uh... Let's go, boys. Let's have a big weekend. Yep. Load of high till the day we die. We out.